And then he said, don't wish it was easier, wish you were better. Don't wish for less problems, wish for more skills. I can't catch a break, guys. Yeah. Get them the fuck away from me. I can't, I can't be around those guys. People think, oh well, cleaning your room, that's just a cliche. It's like, yeah, really, eh? Just go ahead and try it. If people had any idea how powerful sleep is for healing from anything, and the fact that it's free. My mind is absolutely bulletproof, solid as a rock. Podcast. All right, guys, welcome to the Fighting Fit Show. Today, it's myself, Stephen. We got Chris. We got Brandon. Full house today. How's it getting on, guys? Any crack or banter for our listeners? Um, God of War's out. That's why you weren't at the nine thirty a.m. session, was it? Uh, yeah, actually, yeah, that's exactly why. <laughs> I have to say, I'm actually very, very proud of myself. My bedtime stayed super consistent. And so that's very important for me to be able to just put things down and stick to a routine because otherwise these things become a problem. Ah, yeah. That's true. That's the last, last little I can get back into now. This is kind of my first first kind of super structured week. It was a little more kind of casual since you got back from holidays. But yeah, up up and at them, getting, getting shit done. Kickstarter challenge has started. So that's always gives us some nice push on that, guys. For our listeners, it's going to be the topic of today's podcast. This one is called How to Lose 14 Pounds in 42 Days Guaranteed. And we're going to basically talk today about kind of a couple, couple of the key principles that we implement in our Kickstarter challenges and just some helpful tools and advice. So grab a pen, grab some paper. If you do want to lose some weight, um, this is the podcast for you. And again, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram, Facebook, all the usual places. So I do, sorry, um, I do actually have a bit of one, crack. Um, something maybe from a previous podcast that maybe hasn't been brought up yet. I am following through what I said I would do. I'm doing the cool showers, so we're we're, oh, yes. we're 14 days in today. So I haven't done today's yet. I do it generally at night time, um, and my time has grown from uh, a mild water temperature. So like I did, I did the first day here, and I turned uh, the, I turned everything down. But you know, showers have the electric unit as well. It's not just the temperature. We can actually yeah. turn off all the other stuff. So I, I'm, the first yeah, day, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The it was like day, freezing cold and hot. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think the first two days I did it with that on. The medium. Cold. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so I didn't yeah. turn it off all the way. But I, again, it wasn't it wasn't on purpose. But it was probably for the best. Because I did it for the yeah, first day. Should. and it was, it was pretty rough. And then I did the second day. We called progressive overload. And it was the same. It was cold. And then the third day. A frost had come, so things the water was getting cold anyway, and I turned all the support off, and I got into my shower at home for like, I think it was the first I think the first two I did here in in the gym, and I did it at home with all the the heat off, and my God, I only lasted cold, I only lasted fifteen seconds, and then I had to get out and do another fifteen seconds, and again, if there's anybody who goes cold, oh yeah, I did, I did fifteen seconds, and then I went back in, because yeah, the, the the times start times thirty seconds of water submersion. Or cold water contact for the challenge. That's that's the idea. Okay, okay. Cheat on two fifteen blocks. Okay. Yeah, and from there, like I've, I've kept a record on the on the fundraiser page. If anybody wants to support the fundraiser, check on my page. You can you can donate. So I think we've raised four hundred and fifty five euros so far, which is pretty badass. That's um, pretty badass, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thanks to everybody for support. Really, really appreciate it. A um, big part of why I was able to do it is because of the accountability and just kind of having that support. So when I knew there was so many people. Kind of paying attention that definitely spurred me on to start doing something with it and so again the time's grown save the, the gore details from three minutes to two and a half minutes so um, definitely some some growth there and it's been a hell of an experience like some really really intense stuff like I, initially my diaphragm started like cramping like when i was breathing i could find out my abs were, were cramping and, and um, the second dose of cramps was my forearms like my hands were literally like spasming and like this we were just like tensing and getting so cold and then i started implementing an awful lot more like head contact the water is getting an awful lot of breathe uh, it's getting a lot of brain freezes and feeling lightheaded and my legs are starting to kind of wobble a little bit so it really is it's, it's a crazy experience and to be fair it's so funny kind of like um uh, drug experiences like i've been tracing chasing the, the dragon of that day three because that first initial cold contact the aftermath of that that endorphin high was literally never as good it has never yeah. been as good since that that first shock which was like i, I could only do 15 seconds like it was freezing my body was going into shock 
uh, well not literally going in shock but was extremely shocked and surprised by what was happening and then when I got out like just the surge of heat like to be honest that was the main driving factor for getting back in but slowly but surely I've been growing the time last night I did 45 seconds I was kind of beat by it and then I got out and then I got back in and I did like 2 minutes 20 seconds so yes how, how do you breathe? <laughs> like <laughs> initially People just listen. That's going to be really annoying to listen to. Yeah. And then it kind of it calms, it calms down. And as I calm, well, maybe it's 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 one or two. As I start kind of calming down, I can kind of feel the heat or the the water feeling slightly warmer, and or my breathing calms down because it's getting warmer. One or the two, but I I do feel the adjustment um, starting um, as well. Something to try. Try and be really really forceful with your exhales. <clears throat> be like five or six. No, like make like an out like. <laughs> Oh, 100%. And then, not, and then big breath in. It's not, a, it's not a try. It's not a try. They, they are just... There's like literally no other way I can stand under the water. <laughs> I don't know. It's just an instinct. Yeah. So, um, I could, but a cool thing to do as well, just focus entirely on that and it will take away from the from the cold. I'm, a, I'm big into Dragon Ball Z for people who don't know and I'm listening to Dragon Ball Z motivation when I'm doing it so there's a lot of screaming on in the background in my shower. Is anybody listening? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Or... And, and let me but let me know let me know about the positive because I do find I've I've, I've experimented uh, casually with cold showers in the past. I do think that they are pretty cool. Kind of when I was kind of locking them up. What, what was that? It was like it was kind of a part of kind of almost like the red red kind of pill movement on YouTube. Kind of cool cold showers got super popular there for for a while. Um, but but also as a as a tool to treat depression, there is studies that show that it does help with depression. Obviously, there's an endorphin release. Um, you know, you conquer your demons. Like, how do you feel after you? Because I know when I, after I don't, I generally do do feel really, really good. And I'm also curious because you casually mentioned that you're kind of getting into a good sleep routine recently. And supposedly cold showers are an amazing way to have the body um, shut down for the night. Um, like, do you know, do you know, I mean, I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but recently, like, generally, my sleep is always fantastic. Like, like, like only by sheer necessity. Like, I mean, well, I say my sleep is fantastic. My, my routine is like it's dialed in. Like, it's ten to half ten every night without fail. Unless you know, maybe the odd Saturday night be out or something like that. But like yeah. ten, half ten is my. Oh, you, you go, you go ten thirty even on Saturday nights when you're not working the next day. Pretty much, yeah. Well, I'd be rest. <laughs> I'd be exhausted. So yeah, like, yeah. That's, that's that's pretty much my bed bedtime routine, ninety five percent of the time. But the big the big thing, and I actually funny enough, I seen a video last night, and your man said the exact same thing. He was doing an ice bath. The biggest benefit is the fact that I did it. Like really, that like that, that's and I know it sounds so small, but like that sense of accomplishment is just knowing that I did it again, you know. And and like last night, like I said, I was I was beat by it. I was forty five seconds in and I had to stand out because I brought low energy to it. And again, it wasn't my fault. Like the day before, I did a big post. I was feeling fucking fantastic, you know. You know, some days just kind of like workouts in life, you really show up and you just have it all. And yesterday, I showed up and I was just I was standing in front of the shower for about literally like maybe three minutes, spending longer looking at the shower than I'd be in the shower. Just yeah, because yeah, of the yeah. dread, I was just like, I just don't want to do, you do shower, it. Do you shower normally first? No. And then no, last, just last just night was actually the first time that I ever had a hot shower after. Because I don't know why, I just felt a little bit run down. Even after it, like after the cold shower, normally I'm roasting. But after it, I was shivering still. I don't know why. But Okay, well, I'd, I would I would encourage a, like just a, a warm shower. Like just a, a warm shower. And then, uh, I, I, well, that's the way I was. And I kind of thought it. I think it's better because it's, it's hard. It's hard to go straight into the cold. Where I like to go, like I'm kind of wash, 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 and then I'll, I'm already in the water. The water's warm. I'm already under the stream, and then I'm like, okay, right, three, two, one, boom, plunge it down to zero, and then for me, and then for me, I've, I've got my. I'm standing outside the shower. It's you know so funny. The shower is so cold that like if I turn the shower on, I go get my towel, get ready, or whatever like that. By the time I come back in, the room is now cold. Like the room's now cold from just the shower because I'm just standing there in the cold air, and I've got my phone ready. I've got the motivational mix playing, and then I'm like three, two, one foot in, press go underneath, and then that's just that, and then it's so that's okay, that's okay. my strategy. Um, again, it's. I, I, anyone listening to the podcast, I challenge you to go do If you've never done a cold shower, I challenge you to do one. 30 seconds, 30 seconds, put it to zero, get it done. I would always do a contrast. Shower is normal first and then. Is it my camera flicker on your end too or is that just my end? It did, no, but it's back. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I challenge anyone listening to the podcast if you haven't done a cold shower, right? Do it. Uh, here's from this is from the Wim Hoffman uh, website, and obviously he's going to be biased. He's he's the ice man after all. Um, but basically, some of the benef- known benefits of cold showers are reduced stress levels. Regularly taking cold showers imposes a small amount of stress in your body, which leads to a process called hardening. This means that your nervous system gradually gets used to handling moderate levels of stress. The hardening process helps you uh, to keep a cool head the next time you find yourself in a stressful situation. Kind of similar benefit, it seems, there kind of that you get from meditation. Um, higher level of alertness. Cold showers wake your body up, inducing a higher state of alertness. The cold also stimulates you to take deeper breaths, decreasing the level of CO2 throughout the body, helping you concentrate. Cold showers thus keep you ready and focused throughout the day. A more robust immune response. Scientific, scientific studies have shown that taking a cold shower increases the number of white blood cells in your body. These blood cells protect your body against disease. Research believe that this process is related to an increased metabolic rate, which stimulates, uh, uh, which stimulates the immune response. Increased willpower. It takes a strong mind to endure the cold for extended periods of time. By incorporating cold showers into your daily routine, you are strengthening your willpower. And again, I know a lot of people struggle with willpower, myself included at times, which benefits many aspects of your daily life. And finally, weight loss. Research shown that cold showers and exposure to the cold in general, in addition to increasing metabolic rate directly, stimulate the generation of brown fat. Brown fat is a specific type of fat tissue that turns, uh, to call it fat burning fat, that turn that turn that in turn generates energy by burning calories. Cold showers then are an effective tool for people who are looking to lose a few pounds. And again, the you know that the weight loss thing it is it is very minimal, but there is brown fat, particularly in the areas that you tend to be quite lean. You know, like the upper back, there's a lot of brown fat, and essentially it's called brown, uh, fat burning fat. I think it was in Tim Ferriss's book, The Four Hour Body. I think I, I first kind of kind of came across that idea. And again, just to emphasize that from my experience, when I do a cold shower, I feel amazing after. I'm actually gonna. I'm going to start doing it again now that you're doing it for the next couple of weeks. So I'll, I'll, I'll jump in and join you every time I'm having a shower. Two weeks. Um, Two weeks I, um, I'll, I'll, I'll plunge you down the cold. Because, again, you do, you do feel amazing. And, you know, it, it, it is a great way to defeat your inner bitch, as as they say. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I definitely feel feel tougher, harder. And, I, honestly, I feel I feel amazing. Like, after I do a cold shower, I'm coming out of there and I'm like, I'm buzzing. My heart my heart rate's up. I'm alert. I'm alive. You know, it, it is pretty cool. I do feel great after it. I, I every night but last night I literally felt amazing. Like I mean amazing. Like I mean like yeah, yeah. so good. And yeah. also I got my I got my strict muscle up this week and yeah it is Brilliant. a big it is a big improvement. But one thing that I would say like I don't know like cold showers could have something to do with it in, in terms of recovery. You know, I definitely find like my elbows were getting like very, very sore and I found like you know I like I just wasn't sore at all the next day after all. Like I haven't been sore. And I've been pushing my shoulders and elbows pretty hard. And um, cold showers and recovery are like amazing. Yeah, hand in hand. Because again, you're just flushing everything. But, but, but I do know that that is a hotly debated topic, kind of like cold exposure on ice baths and stuff after the workout. A lot of people say that kind of by, um, what is it to say? Because the cold shower kind of eliminates the inflammation, inflammation is essentially what makes the magic happen. And because it kind of speeds up the recovery process, I suppose it's not actually optimal. Again, it is, it is a, a debated. So, so it depends what optimal is, but um, if you are a skill-based athlete, um, and let's say you've yes, done a heavy yes, yes. Le- leg session, you'll still get some benefits, but you'll get less of the benefits of a leg session. But you'll be, your legs will be fresher for, let's say, like playing tennis or whatever. If you're yes, running. that's a, that's a good that's a good so, shape. But because but because you sped up the recovery, you miss out on maybe hypertrophy. And I, I was kind of just correct. in this frame of thought earlier on. I just kind of talking in my mind is like. Like a lot of people, ourselves included at times, but kind of PTs in in, in general or kind of the whole kind of Instagram uh, community, I think sometimes uh, forgets that not everybody's a bodybuilder, not everybody's a a professional athlete. And kind of everything, a lot of these studies and stuff is all geared towards bodybuilders and professional athletes. And that's not what a lot of people uh, want from their exercise. So just as a a side note. Um, So let's kind of kick on in here because I said I do have a meeting after this. So we got to be on time. So Kickstart Challenge. So I'm going to kind of read out a couple of key principles. Okay, I'm not going to go into any depth, but just kind of give you guys an overview. Again, nothing you don't already know. We've been doing this for for since 2019. Run this Kickstart Challenge in this uh, format. We have we do make kind of tweaks and changes kind of as we go. The biggest tweak and change we made this time around is again getting them in person weigh-ins back, which I think will be the the secret sauce um, in order to kind of keep people accountable, and make sure people are getting great results. So kind of nice run up to Christmas. We only got really like five weeks before Christmas week, so this will be kind of still week one. The sixth week is is Christmas week, like it finishes on Christmas Eve, and I know there's going to be nights out and that kind of stuff so we really gotta hit the ground running uh, but again simple 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 six key principles of the kickstarter challenge okay so number one is obviously we've got to achieve a calorie deficit every person taking part in the challenge gets their own personalized calorie and macro targets 
okay it is also optional uh kind of three different options with the meal plans we've got the kickstarter meal plan we use a flexible item strategy for uh, using my fitness pal and then there's also in our new kind of smart meal plan feature this is like an interactive meal plan you can pull up recipes and videos and that kind of stuff which is pretty badass and um, that's number one so achieve a calorie deficit number two eat a high protein diet why are we eating a high protein diet because when we're in a calorie deficit, we want to preserve as much muscle as possible. Um, some people, if you're a beginner, you could even, you know, depending on the severity of the calorie deficit, gain a little bit of muscle um, as well. Um, but again, you, and also protein is going to keep you full for longer. So two key reasons. When we're in a, in a severe calorie deficit, we've got to make a prioritized protein. We've got to protect the muscle, the muscle mass we have. We want to upregulate protein synthesis multiple times per day. We want to strength train. Um, and also said protein is going to keep you full for longer. So protein has got the most satiating effect of food. So if you eat a couple, you know, eat a steak for dinner, eat a couple of chicken fillets, like you're not picking, like you're not, you're not hungry. Whereas maybe for me anyway, I eat a bowl of pasta, you know, I could probably eat something again a half an hour, an hour later. Um, whereas if I eat a steak, I'm literally like I know I'm full. Um, um I think number three important, important to remember the thermic effect of food. Protein is the highest thermic effect of food out of all food groups. Yeah. So uh, to, to say up there, I think I think I did I did see a study. I think it was from your man BioLane recently, or some comment on him that says like I think it was it was originally overstated. Possibly they kind of did say that it was, originally it was up to like thirty percent of the calories you ingest your protein is burned up. Um, through digestion, through the thermic effect of food, um, but I think it's maybe slightly less, maybe more like fifteen or twenty. But again, still significant. That means if you eat one hundred calories of uh, one hundred calories or say of protein, fifteen to thirty calories are just being burned off through the an easy way to you know cut your calories by 15 to 30 percent um exactly. and again i'll just run through these and then we'll kind of we'll, we'll, we'll do a bit more of a deep dive once i once i give a brief intro so eat a high protein diet number three work out three to five times a week so that kind of really depends on your on your um your experience level beginners three times a week you'll get good results if you're uh, intermediate to advanced you do want to be working at four or five times a week um let me see four and then cardio points how active you are outside the gym is more important than how active you are inside the gym i kind of heard this concept i'm not sure if you guys ever heard of 75 hard i can't remember the guy andy Frisella, i think is his name he runs a, a challenge called uh, 75 hard um he's got a cool cool thing his his challenge is it's like um two workouts a day one indoor one outdoor I kind of like that. So like the one one workout in the gym and then maybe one workout outside the gym. So like, you know, and again, a 10 minute walk would count depending. I think his might be maybe 20 or 45 minutes or whatever, but you know, that is a, is a cool one going to get people outside getting them steps in. Um, the steps are your neat, your non-exercising. Ah, well, I suppose it wouldn't technically be neat if you're actually going to for a walk. Um, but anyway, outside the gym, there's, you know, 24 hours in a day, you're going to, Time outside the gym than you do inside the gym. Sitting in your bum outside the gym is not uh, going to help you get optimal results. Number five, and one of the key things: hot communication, honest, open, two-way communication. Okay, so if you are doing a program, you are working with a coach. You really do want to utilize that coach to get uh, feedback as regularly as possible. So obviously, we kind of check in kind of almost daily with the with the challenge with the challenges with the challenge groups, and then we kind of see everybody in person at least once a week, and obviously seeing at the workouts. So we're seeing people and communicating with them multiple times a week. The people who engage the most get the best results. People that hide in the shadows usually fizzle out um by the half halfway point and kind of get decent they get they get results but they're only maybe losing you know four to six pounds or so um number six then track and body stats this is again one of the most counterintuitive ones i think anyway um especially again if you read a lot of the posts and the stuff on say instagram and facebook and the sad step and this kind of philosophy when i found personally and working with clients that the opposite is true it is one of them things like it depends if somebody just does really have a negative relationship with the scales and they really do have a lot of negative self-talk around these things it's probably not going to be the best um but if you can if you take it for what it is which is just data just number a number on a scale and and also it's body stats not just the weigh-in so uh, the context is provided by also measuring the inches by also measuring the body fat percentage by also checking your progress photos so it's not just relying on the weight uh, itself but because when you're doing kind of relatively short-term challenges think about it, if this is only a six-week challenge and you say you wait a week to weigh in and if you don't get the result that you wanted you've lost say what about what would that be about 18 percent of the challenge is gone um so like you know you want to be kind of getting feedback as quickly as possible to see if what you're doing is working and like, you know after like three days if, you, if you're not seeing progress you know and you're in a thousand calorie deficit every day on the weight on the body fat on the inches you know in, in, in any way shape or form we may want to just have a look at your uh, at your activity levels at your at your meal plan to see if there's any adjustments we made so again tracking your body sets regularly and there's an interesting study that we'll do a bit of a deep dive into here a nice article that links to all the studies there's loads of studies being done but it basically shows that people who weigh in more often they lose 
more weight and keep the weight off longer. I think it's a pretty damning statistic. Um, diets. I'm pretty sure over five years. I think it's what forty percent of people who lose weight uh, with say diets and air quotes gain the weight back within one year, and one hundred percent of people uh, gain back the weight within five years. Uh, but this people who weigh themselves daily don't seem to do that. And I've seen that a lot myself. Um, so I've done jizz, must have been 200 calls over the last year or two uh, post-COVID um, with people can look and lose weight after gaining the old COVID weight. And again, common common denominator was, uh, I stepped in the scales there after a year and I gained two stone. Whereas I'm saying, my kind of thing is like, if you had a step in the scales after you gained five pounds, would you have nipped it in the bud then having the information? So just kind of creating mindfulness, being more conscious, being more aware of kind of the reality of your situation and not necessarily putting the sand so with all that said guys what do you think so six six kind of key principles would there be anything that you'd add to that or is there anything that you want to kind of dive uh, into a little bit deeper yeah the whole weighing in not losing weight kind of carry on for me the big thing is like when you're doing the work you lose the weight it really it really is it really is really it's, it's that simple and i haven't known anybody to be the opposite well again obviously there's always the outlier and everybody wants to put themselves in the convenient bracket of the outlier everyone oh it's, it's my hormones hormones get an awful bad rap obviously look hormones play so many different roles and so many different hormones without diving too much deep you know people have different appetites and for the most part that's going to be down due to hormones and you know the size of your stomach and you know you've stretched it over the years because your appetite's crazy you snack really regularly you're used to eating at certain amount of times whatever 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 there is no way you can be in a thousand calorie deficit and not lose weight. By nature, there is absolutely no way. So, especially over the well, course I'll of say, the- Well, say that again, Marcus, because again, just important to, to be specific, because again, there is a way that you can do it and not lose weight if weight is only measurement, but there's no way you're not going to lose body fat. If you're eating a thousand really calories less than every day, you, in theory, you should be losing a couple hundred grams. Uh, but but, but even, even if you're in a thousand calorie deficit a day, I would even argue the fact that you would, you damn near see weight, weight, like some kind of weight loss, like like point two, point three, like. Oh, that's a, yeah, a couple hundred grams, yeah. Any anytime I've done, I've been on the ball and I've kind of strictly measured it, measured things, and as I just said, like you need to obviously have the weight to lose, um, yeah. you know. But everyone doing the challenge obviously has has the weight to lose or to have the a biggest thing. The biggest thing that happened to me challenge. over over the course of the last two years, I think I've done six kickstarters. So I've done six kickstarters. I've lost, you know, a stone six times, maybe not a stone, 10, 10 to fourteen pounds six times in the last year. On and off, basically cut, basically cut, you know, bulk, 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 cut, cut, cut. And in that period, what I've noticed is that the leaner I've got, the more difficult it is to keep the weight off. So of once you start dragging people into a calorie deficit, things start getting very real, right? Things get very, very real when you're in a calorie, calorie deficit and your hormones do kick in. So you do start to get a larger appetite. You do start to feel a little bit more lethargic and the, the journey does get an awful lot harder. And but so, Brian, you would also be an outlier in that sense. Sorry to interrupt, but again, you've got you've got semi-visible abs kind of year round, and then you've got super visible abs when you when you finish the Kickstarter. Whereas most people do the challenge, even if they lose fourteen pounds, are not going to have visible abs. Um, so yeah. the body fat levels aren't, aren't be reduced to that level where they should start to see them kind of. Um, like exactly. Would you say? Would you say? Wait, wait there. Just would you say that's because he's so lean, or because he's moving further away from his set point? For Brandon. Yeah, why it gets harder to stick? I think I think yeah, I think it's because yeah, I think because because you're lean or your body's upregulating the hormones, ghrelin, etc., that cause you to want to eat more. And again, you're you're also super active. Like you guys must get twenty five thousand steps a day easy uh, on a shift kind of in the classes. Yeah. Twenty two is your average. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On, on, on work days. But the big thing, exactly. Yeah, the big thing for me, as you said, yeah, I feel really cold because I am starting to get to the point where like there's not a lot of insulation the body's going right like and again it's not like i'm super caught i'm not bodybuilding level caught like but as i said the body's like hey brian why don't you gain you know a few more pounds that's you know it's not that smart to fly this close to the sun you know it's like what happens if there's a famine we could die so it makes sense and again i'm trying to speak to the nature of like look guys when when you go into a calorie deficit you are going to be a little more hungry that's to be expected but the whole idea of like you know you're not losing any weight ever it's like you need to examine two things as you said steven it's like you really need to examine your nutrition like what is going in how much are you snacking sneaky snacks what are we here fridge pickers wear bigger knickers those that stay strong those that stay strong wear a thong sam told me that on saturday yeah. i love it <laughs> it must be it must be from from a similar thing i don't wear thongs not all the time just once. Only, when I, only when i stay strong but yeah so so the thing about it is is like it's either going to be your calories in 
And I did a post there yesterday. It's like most people aren't walking enough. I get so many people with the stride of pride at 10,000 steps. And I respect it. I understand for some people, you're kind of boxed into this life where 10,000 steps is everything you can do. And I would say that is by nature of you, you, you boxing yourself in. That is why you're struggling to lose weight because you've now took yourself into this lifestyle, you know, to choice, choice, or maybe you're forced into it, whatever the reasons like you are super sedentary. It's so hard to lose weight when you're not active. If you're not burning that many calories, it's going to be such a, di- a difficult journey to try and lose the weight. And so 10,000 steps to me again, it's a great minimum. It's a great standard for, you know, really getting the average person to move who otherwise would be getting two, 3000 steps. But when we're talking for fat loss, like you need to be active generally speaking, for a good amount of fat loss, you want to lose a stone, like you need to get to work. And so I would be suggesting, yeah. like, look, if you're really serious about fat loss, really, really, really serious, 15,000 should be your minimum and 20,000 should be the goal. And you say that to most people who go, oh, so now I'm never going to do it. And it's like, right, okay, well, we need to look at the other lifestyle factors and we need to see, again, look, if you genuinely, 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 your heart and soul can't do it, you're going to have to be okay with a pound to two pounds a week because that otherwise... Even half a pound. This is it, you know what I mean? But the issue for me, in well, my experience with most people, is that if the fat loss is that slow, um, now again, a pound, two pounds a week is pretty good, but half a pound. Two pounds a week is, two pounds a week yeah, is amazing. Yeah, two pounds, exactly. So if it's at the point where it's like a half a pound a week, it's like, if you could, you might only have the willpower for three, four weeks, and then, you know, a bad weekend, that's two, you need, a, you need a diet break. But then, there, but there's a lot to be said about, um, about diet breaks. Like, diet breaks, uh, supposedly are very useful like i would encourage everyone to kind of have a diet break obviously after the challenge the problem is that when it's not a diet like a diet break involves going back up to maintenance where people go back up to a surplus yes. yeah, i feel like we're all guilty yeah. of this when we go through a period yeah. of a period of restriction but obviously yeah a diet break say like you do like a six-week cut a one-week diet break even in between that would, that would just involve adding that thousand calories back that thousand calorie deficit whereas people add the thousand calories back plus another couple of thousand calories uh, on top of that when yeah. you average it over the week in, in a lot of cases people say all the time and i know there's a lot of places to have have bad reps for kind of you know getting people to lose a lot of weight in, in very short periods of time and stuff but it's not it's not necessarily like you know it's not as if you're doomed to, to magically gain the weight back without changing how you're eating and moving like that's that's the reality of the thing like people just you know um you know, blame the program or whatever, but it's like that's not what it is. Like you didn't gain the weight back. Maybe I feel like psychologically, the yeah. the, the program might have put you in that place where you kind of have this kind of you know this this impulse to binge afterwards. Um, but physiologically, you know, it's because you're you're moving less and eating a lot more than than you were when you were doing the challenge. That's why you gained the weight back and more. But the only thing I would rep. say, the only thing I would say on that maybe is like right, okay, if you were to hold a program giver out or you know. Uh, responsible you you would need to just pair that program and say right this program comes in two parts it comes for a six week or 12 week transformation and it also comes with a 12 to six week maintenance phase and so like you know if you take responsibility for the aftercare you know yeah your hands are clean like, we did our and best. That's, that's kind of something that's kind of something that we started because we kind of made 12 weeks the minimum and then i kind of felt really guilty about it, like you know like offering you know, a six week you know quick fat loss challenge type thing and then i was like then we kind of just came to the to the resolution it was like sell people what they want and give them what they need because if i don't sell them what they want they're going to go somewhere else i can't help them they're going to miss out on doing it say the fight and fit way and kind of getting the the kind of extra care and stuff because i know for a fact people don't get the the same kind of care and one-on-one attention and stuff that they get get at our facility i know right well as well we offer that and not everybody takes up because people like to blame people it's like you know you you don't want the aftercare you want you want the quick fix and then you're going away and then you're just going to go back to your old habits like that's not going to work. Yeah. I don't care whose program you take on. You know, it's like it, you literally yeah. need to be committed to this and yeah. take it on as if it's a lifestyle. Like if you want a six-week transformation, fair enough, it's extreme. You need to be ready for a possibility of an extreme bounce back and you need to be prepared for that and take yeah. on and have a plan to moderate after that because otherwise... Yeah. You, need to go, you need to go straight back. You need to go straight back into maintenance. The problem is like what happens is people kind of are super strict of drinking, kind of say a load of healthy foods and then say, fair enough, right, to go ahead and have a cheat meal or a cheat weekend or whatever. And then on the scales, the weight fluctuates like four or five, even six pounds after that weekend. And they feel like they fucked it when the reality is you only, you're holding on to a lot of extra carbs, you're holding on to a lot of extra water, you're holding on yeah. extra salt. And this is kind of why I encourage people to kind of, could that process of like that one key habit, that one key habit that would help you long term is to keep weighing yourself in. Because you notice, although when you weighed it on the Monday, you're six pounds up, Tuesday it was only four pounds. And by Wednesday, yeah, maybe you're up, you're up a pound and a half, two pounds. Yeah. But it's not as bad. It's not, oh, fuck, it was all for nothing. I'm back to square one. Thing. um 
that's that's kind of one of the reasons that I really like the kind of the daily win. If you if you can if you can address people's limiting beliefs around that and and encourage them to kind of just again collect more data. We live in a data driven world. When you have more data, you can make better decisions. Um, I think that would that's kind of one of the key things long term for maintenance that I think would really help people um, stay on track. And this is one of the big things that they talk about in the whole nutrition coaching realm is they talk exactly what you said there about the all or nothing mentality i'm pretty sure we probably hammered this home now and again for any new listeners or anybody just needs reminder we all need reminded at times is that if you have an all or nothing mentality that's exactly what we're talking about it's, it's this but i'm going to cut out all the bullshit and this seems to be everybody's first go-to strategy especially you know maturing in the it with your nutrition is understanding that all or nothing is never going to work that living at either extreme is never going to work for you it's not what you want unless what you want is to get absolutely shredded and then to get fat again. If that's what you want, then all or nothing will work perfectly for you. If you don't want that, well then all or nothing is the exact opposite of what you need to do. You need to take a, a hold of your initial knee-jerk reaction that everybody has initially to go, right, I need to cut it all out. It's like you don't. You really don't need to cut it all out. You need to cut most of it out. You need to cut about 70 to 80%. You need to cut about cut back to about 10 to 20% of you know a little bit of bullshit you know something to keep you going but not all of it out to the point where you're like right i can't do this anymore i need a pint i need the bread i need the pasta i need the chocolate ah and then we do it and so like like i was listening to i was listening to a guy and he was literally talking about was like you know i would never trust anybody i would never trust anybody who's poor because basically what's going to happen is a hungry man's got to eat so it's like if you're if you're like really at the the arse end of your life and you're really struggling it's only a matter of time before the human instinct kicks in to take from you to give to me because that because that's what that's what happens when you're desperate the last thing you want to do with nutrition is make yourself desperate yeah that's very interesting you said that brian i think you heard that on the human podcast with your man bio lane i'm not sure where i heard did you on no, TikTok. I, was, I, was listening, I was literally only listening to that there yesterday day before and essentially what he said was like food like this whole kind of food addiction thing is actually is quite is quite difficult and it was because because of that kind of thing that you said whereas you can't you can't just give up food like you know it's kind of like saying to a gambler all right you have to give up gambling but you have to go in here three times a day you have to just pull it once just pull pull that wee the wee gambling machine pull it once at, at breakfast time pull it once at lunch time pull it once at dinner time and then Give it a wee, a wee small pull then uh, for, for a wee one, snack throughout the one day. One TikTok and watch one video. Just one TikTok video. That's all you get. Good luck. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but <laughs> this is kind of why for a lot of for this is why for a lot of people it kind of seems to work quite well um, when they change the environment. That's kind of one thing I, I would have liked to maybe emphasize a little bit more in our last podcast, Chris, was like, you know, the whole kind of thing about like how important environment is for um, for establishing change or for creating change. Um, well, and that's why this kind of whole 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 all or nothing mentality people just cut it out and they fucking clear it because they want because they don't want to be uh, surrounded by the temptation that, that's um, something i was going to say i was going to um interrupt brandon there and say like um there's two i think there's two kinds of uh, transformation i think there is the slow and gradual and i think there is the person who just like just goes okay this is it i'm turning my whole life around i'm not doing this anymore and yeah. um i think the biggest determinant factor in that is what stephen's saying is environment so like someone who does go to the press throws everything out to make this dramatic um let's say scene about it they remember that oh i went to the press i got grabbed everything threw it into the bin and that's only good food in from from here on out and they don't like the the main thing that will help them is like they streamline the process for success so like there's no sweets in that like anyone uh who's like me if there's a packet of biscuits in the press and having a cup of tea like for me, like I genuinely just don't don't trust myself to stop after two biscuits. I don't think. But it's, not, anyone... but, it's, but it's not it's not that you don't trust yourself to stop. It's based on based on history. It's like I don't stop. You know, not yeah. to, not to kind of maybe not not to say it's not possible for you to stop if you say a surf in the urge, etc. But I've noticed to me like I'm so impulsive that like I can't even like say if I'm coming home like say like Chinese I get a Chinese thing I can't help myself but picking at the chips or something. You know, on the yeah. way home, or like opening something as soon as I get out of the shop. I'm saying my fucking new earbuds, like you know, I fucking open them up as soon as I get into the car, um, and that kind of that kind of same thing. So it's like I think it's about like everyone else. It depends on you. You have to know yourself best through kind of self awareness, self reflection, understand what works, what works well for you. Um, have any of you guys so ever, not... ever have any ever made that extreme situation where you've cut all the stuff out of the house and now you know di- disciplined you? Cut all out all snack, and now hungry you sitting there going, right? Well, what am I supposed to eat now? Just no snacks yep. now. So what yep. do you do? Yeah, 
it's, well, it's, e- it's easy. It's, it's easy. It, that's it. It makes it easy because it's like, well, I'm on a diet. I don't really, I shouldn't be eating the snacks anyway. So I just, again, surf the urge. I just sit with the feeling and say, okay, well, am I going to go to the shop? Am I going to go to the shop and buy it? Maybe one in five times I do go to the shop and get it because I, I really do want to have a wee snack or bag press or something. But most of the time I don't. So it's just kind of this whole thing I like to call it protecting your future self. It just makes it easier. And it's like, yeah. right, because have like have a go to. It's like, right, but I want to have, I get a career for that. I kind of find myself doing, you know, going around the press, looking for a little snack, drink some water, um, eat some fruit, that whole thing. If you, if you don't if you don't want an apple, you're not hungry, you're just uh, bored. Um, so that 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 would be the the, the mindset of, and as you kind of mentioned, the transformations. I kind of, I'm kind of slowly but surely moving towards that kind of way of thinking myself where like people really like, because when you understand like, you know, progress, progress equals motivation. People need to see progress to stay motivated. That's, that's what I find is, is, is the problem. A lot of people, people struggle with motivation. They're not seeing progress. Because again, someone comes in, you know, someone comes in first couple of weeks of program, they lost two pounds, they lost two pounds again, lost another two pounds, they've got a new PB in the data. Boom, they're seeing all this progress. They're super, super, super motivated. Well, what happens over time is, what? What happens over time is they don't necessarily stop making progress. They stop measuring the progress. They stop looking for the progress, and that's why they lose the motivation. Um, but also, so part of me kind of part of me kind of thinks like the best. Sorry, Brian, but part of me thinks like the best way to just do it is to just like get stuck in, balls to the wall, jump in with two feet. You know, make the big change, see the progress very very quickly. It's that kind of thing. Like people say, like you, know, you don't get you don't get rich. The only way to get rich is quick. You know, like you build you build your skills, build your skills, build your skills for five, ten, maybe fifteen years, and then boom. You're an overnight success. I kind of feel like that there might be, um, might be the way it's done for a lot of people. Again, there's two, I said Chris said there's two types of transformation: the slow and steadies. The people who are maybe a little bit more well put together, I think, um, and kind of can have that kind of maybe longer term view. The people that maybe have a little bit more personal development to do, develop more skills and and, and address a lot of their limited belief and beliefs and different things. I think for them types of people, and I am one of them people, is like. I need to see the progress a little bit, a little bit faster, a little bit quicker. It keeps you more from motivated, it keeps you much more engaged. And then it's about having an exit strategy. As you said, like the, 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 say the, the, the rapid fat loss thing will work and you will be super motivated and you will lose, you know, 10, 20 pounds in, in, in a relatively short period of time. It's the fact that you stop is is why the weight comes back on. Whereas you could again yeah. just go back up to maintenance and kind of keep 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 it going from there. Um, but that's kind of that's kind of where where I'm kind of. But obviously, they said there is two types of people. We can talk with the chefs and the bakers, people that come in and follow the recipe, and other people like you know. Because I just know myself, like I've been on these rabbit holes. Like, like when you're not happy with how you look and feel, like nothing else is more important. You know what I mean? Like nothing. Like you don't care about your mobility. You don't care about your strength. You just think like, I can't fit into my fucking clothes, and I have to go. I've, I've got my best friend's wedding in two months. You know what I mean? And and everybody's like, just help me this one time, and I'll. It's bright here. What? Here's the other side as well: self-esteem and self-confidence. It, like you can get into a situation where you have you feel so shit about yourself and this body right now it's 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 a it's a double-edged sword because not only does it make you feel like shit it affirms how you feel about yourself and so it feels very very uncomfortable There's to proof. Kind of try and grow out of that you're like yeah it's like this is me i am a big bag of shit i feel like shit i look like shit i am shit and so again this change in identity this is why the initial progress is so important that's what i was going to say was you know, if somebody doesn't start strong, they can be in an eddying hole for a long time because they miss that initial like, oh, What's I can do hole? this. I can do this. And so if you don't get that, like for me personally, like one of the best things, I, I can remember it clear as day. I mobilized my hips. I went out for a run and the run didn't hurt for the first time. I And I remember again, stretching my hamstrings and feeling a big, just like a big lengthening. And that to me proved it was proof of concept. This thing's true. This thing works. I can 100% do this across anything. Like, not only did that help me with believing in mobility, but it helped me with my nutrition. It helped me with everything. Because I was, I know now that, you know, change is possible, that I am something that is adaptable, something that can change if I do put in the work. Because before that, I just didn't believe myself. I didn't believe the process. I had this limiting story that it's all right for you, but not for me. And, you know, no matter what I try, this is always going to be the way. Because until you have, again, proof of concept that you can change, it is it is hard to believe that you can change, especially if you've been a certain way for a long period of time. Yeah, that, that's actually that's actually a great point. That, that That's what it is about. Like seeing that progress is let you know that it, it is possible for me. I can actually do this. It will work for me. Because people have told themselves a story that they're the unlucky one for, for years and years and years. And they've tried and failed and tried and failed and tried and failed. But right. I, I would say it's because there are, blaming external factors instead of looking at okay what could i have done better is there any exactly. area that i could be more skillful more knowledldgeable more organized around you right 
your proof of concept, you're around it, it's your mom, it's your dad, it's your sister, it's your uncle, and they had all, all tried diets, and quote unquote, none of it worked. So it's like, if it didn't work for them, why would it work for me? And so again, it's like people, and the people fall, like the stories that people tell themselves and the, the stories that are told to people, stories are a wonderful thing. Like we've really passed on so much information through years before written tests that have managed to withstand the, the test of time because of, of stories, because stories are so powerful for the human psyche. And we have so many incredible limiting stories that surround us every day. Like I notice it all the bloody time now. I listen to people all the time. I listen to friends. I listen to family. And again, I don't intervene unless somebody asks for my help. Nowadays, you're not getting it because it generally doesn't go down too well when you offer help that isn't asked. And so again, I just listen and I just listen to these stories and I listen to, you know, how convinced that they really are. And, you know, you might ask a couple of questions and you realize that there's not a whole lot behind them. It's not based on a whole pile of anything except for, you know, yeah. a failed haphazard attempt and it's kind of like right okay you know but but that's a that's a strong belief and i know, and I know you've you've closed that door that door is now closed in your mind it's never been opened again you've tried it and it failed but again it failed not you feel like we would send it's this kind of thing we don't take we don't take personal responsibility for the outcomes for our actions um and how we kind of could have done it better usually i find it's it's always a, a skills a skills or a knowledge gap like you know like what could i have done better and as you said like once you start to act ask the prodding questions it just becomes aware, like we've talked, I talked about this in the, on, on the last podcast, just like how shallow the thinking was. Like it was, there was no deep thinking or deep reflection on why you fail. It's like, oh, ABB didn't get the result. That doesn't work. Move on. It's like, okay, well, but why we, didn't it? Why didn't and we, we could get, we could get into a deeper societal question here. It's like, how how many people know how to think and ask deep questions? How many people actually know how to go deep? And because again, it's of no criticism to people. Like, uh, at least not not like I'm not not trying to criticize anybody because most people at their heart of hearts really believe these stories because they don't know how to go deeper and they don't know how to challenge their beliefs. You don't, they don't, they don't know how to, to ask. What? Or they don't want to. Again, they do they do want to. But again, it's just hurtful, and most people are. That's why they don't want to. But most people, because exactly, they want to, they want to save face. Most people want to save face. We kind of learned this one the first books we read: how to win friends and influence people. Like, if you want to kind of, if you want to kind of maintain relations with people, like, never back somebody into a corner and force them to admit they're wrong. It's it's one of the easiest ways to destroy to destroy a relationship. Whereas what you you kind of have to, you know, you're trying to kind of bring them around your way of thinking, but they have to kind of figure it out on their own per se through maybe asking asking the right uh, the right kind of questions we're listening to podcasts this is one of the reasons why i love this medium because i can t i can literally talk about people that i know and i hope that they're listening and i hope that they're getting the message but i don't want to hurt their feelings and i don't want them to have to sit there and be embarrassed about it it's like this is why i love podcasts i've learned so much in podcasts just sitting as a fly in a wall saving face you know going through you know um you know criticisms of this kind of behavior, criticisms of this kind of person. This is what I believe to be right. And to get to be there and save face and still take on the information and not have to be directly criticized is so important for growth for me. Such a yeah. good idea. Yeah. So guys, just to kind of give some people some practical advice, we're going to have to wrap this up now in a, in a few minutes. Um, but based on them, on them kind of six kind of key points that I have, there's anything that you'd like to delve deeper, anything that you'd really love to get across to people um, that are struggling or anyone, maybe they're not struggling, maybe they're just kind of starting off, they've just never really had this much structure, this much support, they've never done a program this good. Um, you know, like what, what advice would you give to them to make sure they get the best parcels for anything that you'd encourage them to focus on, et cetera? Well, super simply, super simply, like, please generally measure and track everything, like absolutely everything. I think you learn an awful lot about nutrition that way. Like if you generally at least, yeah. at least for the first what? week, at least for the first, like if you do that, if you Joe, go all in for the first week and you track absolutely everything, you know how many calories is and what you're eating, you know, and then you know yeah. how far, how much you deviate from that. Like it gives yeah. you so much see, more context. Yeah, I say to people all the time, like, how many times are you going to weigh 100 grams of chicken before you know what 100 grams of chicken lo looks like? How many times are you going to weigh 100 grams of rice before you know what 100 grams of rice looks like? Once you can say, Chris, once you do it for a couple of weeks, you're good. But I just kind of know, like, almost my kind of knee-jerk response, uh, you know, my lower side will be, like, not doing that. So, like, there's people that just literally, like, even doing a challenge, they're just like, not going to weigh, not going to weigh food, well, not doing well, it. Wait there, wait there, right? This is another thing about, about the environment. Like, the best way to make this easy is to have your scales out on the counter on or like where you just have to tap a button have the bowl there yeah. so when you go to weigh it it's like well i pour it in here i'll just go here first then here you have like, to make at least resistance it has to be easy. exactly it's the same thing with, with protein shakes if you're if you're away proteins in the back of the press you have to move like 
10 things to get to it. It's like out of sight, out of mind. You're not going to go to it. You need to make sure that it's easy and convenient. Because like, I think people really, really like underestimate the power of convenience and how much influence that has on you. Like people are lazy, especially in the Western world. We have so much other stuff to focus on. Nutrition is always an afterthought. It's changing the culture. Like it used to be where... You know, a meal was like the big event of the day where everyone sat around the table. We all exchanged, oh, what happened here? What happened here? You know, now it's like food is an afterthought. So it's like everyone else is done and then they want to switch off their brain while they're eating. And because yeah, they're yeah. stressed, like not, not blaming them right like that there, but that's usually what happens. And the more forethought and the more effort that it takes, the least, the less desirable it is to do. But if you have it out there and it's already done and you do it for a week and you've like pick meals that you enjoy like get meals that you actually enjoy learn how to cook them learn how to master them in a way that you like that you know the calories around them make it once and then have it like my new favorite breakfast now is a um, greek yogurt whey protein and a little bit of peanut butter and a little bit of honey and a banana that's it and it works out like 550 calories and there's like 35 grams of protein in it it's unreal it tastes absolutely amazing it's like yeah. boom i know what it is i make it the exact same way every single time i put the bloody greek yogurt in on a bowl on the bloody um set weighing scale so i know exactly what's in it and then everything else is just like already measured it's not yeah. more one of my oh. favorite dinners now is seasoned chicken and rice with a sweet chili sauce and so it's like sticky honey chicken and rice and it's fucking amazing it sounds amazing yeah it sounds unreal so it's like, maybe more, like, one thing one thing i want to do for this kickstart challenge is kind of do more do more um cooking down relation to the food like more cooking down was that kind of stuff i would also i'd also kind of love to do like i wonder if anybody anyone listening with interest or any members would be interested in doing like i've kind of talked before like you know like little weekly community events doing like a, a meal prep kind of thing people to get together bring the food and kind of chop it up and that kind of stuff together many hands may make like work as they say or even just more so the kind of the fact that if you go into an environment maybe you'll actually do the meal prep for once because you know we maybe have or good intentions like- but we don't necessarily always follow through or again layer a couple of yeah a couple of kind of there's simple a, things like one for like yeah. they're so, they're so busy like life is so busy life is so busy if you've children i get it life is so busy if you work and you've got multiple children i get it life life is is really busy oh, oh wait, but, i just i meant more like you can learn off the mommies because <laughs> like, oh, they, they, like they like in terms of like kitchen skills and all that jazz, like one of the biggest issues i see with people who are overweight not all it's not all the time it's really not all the time but a lot of the time is like they have no kitchen skills None, one hundred percent. I was like twenty-two before I started. Like, remember you? I remember you did home ec and you knew how to use an oven. Like when you're like, I don't know, was it thirteen or fourteen? I didn't do home ec and I like didn't know how to use an oven up until I was like fucking twenty-three. That was, <laughs> yeah, that was, that was so useful, really. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, my cooking skills were like making coca noodles and using the deep fryer yeah. until I was about twenty-two, twenty-three. In, in fairness, yeah. I did I did home ec and the extent of my cooking was beans on toast on on the pot pot. You know what I mean? It's like. Yeah, but yeah, even yeah. that that differentiation, you did it on the pot. Like for me, I was, it was almost like I was scared of the no, stuff. I was like, ah, microwave. Yeah, yeah. And no one, no one, yeah, no one taught me around like that. And if you don't have those skills, like you know, like if if you're a parent and you haven't taught your children how to cook and are like teenagers, you should probably probably consider getting on that. Teach them how to cook or, some meals. Or, or also, here's another one: if you don't have cooking skills, you know, your your the chances of you passing your very bad eating habits onto your kids are going to skyrocket because kids just do as yeah. you do and kids like i know it's like 100 brand i'm sure do you know do you know what the data is on um you know overweight overweight parents having overweight children oh like 100 95 yeah, no, well, it's, 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 it's like 70 percent plus i must i must double check i'm pretty sure last time i read it was like 70 percent so 70 percent of well obese was the one i said obese 20 or 70 but 70 percent of obese I think it might even be 65 percent plus 65 percent of obese parents have overweight children and again, my kind of my kind of biggest thing with children is like fair enough, there's nothing wrong with a bit of a little bit of puppy fat here or there. But as somebody who was a little bit overweight as a kid, like you know, it made my life a lot harder. You, you, you can leave your kids as, as as an easy target, I think, um, which is just which is just uh, just unfair. Um, but it's the trajectory. It's like if you're gaining at that young age, if you're gaining a pound every you know two three months at eight or nine years of age, Jesus Christ, when you're having to reach your twenties, you're gonna it's so unfair on the kids like it really is so truly unfair on the kids and the thing about it is now is like look as a parent and again we're all about saving face here so it's like don't feel targeted you know everybody makes mistakes like you the reason your weight is probably because that's the environment that you grew up in and again like i think yeah. we should start taking this as serious as it is and it's like look take the challenge and break the cycle for your kids because there's, it's not fair putting kids in the same situation you know obviously look it's probably not your fault you're overweight you know, generational trauma, we talk about this kind of stuff, you know, you learn the skills from your parents, they learn from their parents, whatever it is, but it's like, you know, someone has to take responsibility for it, the ball's in your court, 
you know, and again, for your kids, your kids are worth every bit of it. And again, it, it really is not fair. It's not a nice experience because kids are assholes anyway with bullying. Like for anything, if you have a big nose or a buck tooth or a missing tooth or a spot in your head, you know, it's like your target anyway. So it's like if you, you're going through the, the natural course, you're going to get targeted anyway. It's like being overweight just puts a, an even more obvious, bigger target in your back. And it's not fair. Yeah. And again, it's something that can be done. Yeah, hundred percent. Can be can be can be right And for me, from my personal experience, I just I can have a vivid memory one time when like playing Gaelic like, in primary school and just not being able to run, like not being able to run fast, not being able to play because I was away. And again, um, you know, I, I just think honestly, like these, this is what parenting is all about: trying to not pass the trauma on to your own children. That's kind of kind of the way the way I look at it. But at the same time, nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect. Chris isn't perfect. Brand's not perfect. Nobody's perfect. What we want to do is just make sure that next year we're a little better off than we were this year you know even if right even if you pass forward. Keep, keep feeling forward but make sure that your the, the intention to kind of be better and the goal yeah. is there even if you pass some of the trauma on that you took a big chunk of it for them at least exactly yeah we're not because nobody's gonna be perfect no kids no kids very few kids are probably getting through with zero zero trauma which is yeah. which is which is fair 100 perfect is not is not a realistic target but again yeah trying to trying to minimize it as much as possible i would say um by giving them tools skills because the end of the day like Treat your kids like you would want to be treated like. You know what I mean? I'm sure you know. Like you would have loved to cook with your parents. You would have loved to know how to cook healthy meals. You would have loved to be more involved. Like Molly loves cooking. You know, like kids just eat this stuff up. She loves cleaning the get house. She loves cooking. Loves helping. Loves getting a high five. I can already see her self talk is starting to get so good. She's like, fantastic, Molly. Well done, Molly, and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, like, Mason, Mason that that too. That's but that's one thing I would say as well is like Mason hates tidying up unless I help him. Like if I say to Mason, Mason, yeah. tidy up your toys. He's like, no. Yeah. Like yesterday, he was like, me, 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 try and sleep. He was like lying on the couch pretending to sleep. He yeah. wasn't trying to yeah. sleep at all. He was just lying on the couch, being lazy. And I was like, okay, will you come help Daddy tidy up? And we were tidying up together. So you just eat it up. They love That's it. Love it. Look, That's it. It's yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hundred percent. But I, I see. I see. Honestly, I seen this thing that ran. I kind of it really kind of called me. I shared it on Instagram story. I'm not sure if you guys seen. But it was the Ed Milet thing. And it was um, <laughs> it was so it was so cultural. It was like um, you know we tell our kids these things all the time. You can be you can be anything you want to be. Yeah. And then the kid the kid turned around and was like, well then why aren't you, mom? I think about that. Why aren't you, dad? You can achieve anything you ever want. Why didn't you, mom? It's like fuck. It's like these kids are watching. Like they don't like kids. Kids kids don't. What is it? Kids don't do what you say. They do what you do, kind of thing. Yeah. So you know, I think we all we all need to. Uh, maybe do a better do a better job in that area or at least have the intention to do it, i think um, but anyway guys we're gonna have to leave it there uh, gonna jump on to another meeting appreciate it um anybody again has any questions on the podcast feel free to send some message roles available to help um and if not we will see you in the next one thanks for joining us peace and love